Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Caesarea Philippi is one of my favorite places in all of Israel. Uh, Jerusalem is big. It's noisy. It has traffic jams. It has diesel buses. It has car horns blowing, as most any big city has. But when you get up to Tiberias, it's a little bit quieter up on the lake. And when you go north of the lake, from Capernaum, right up where the twelve would be if the lake were the face of a clock, guides usually take you on a very circuitous route up through the Golan Heights, along the Syrian-Israeli border so that you see the United Nations forces patrolling there in the demilitarized zone. It takes a good while to get to Caesarea Philippi. When you leave Caesarea Philippi, they bring you back down the four-lane expressway, and it's 20 minutes to Capernaum. Caesarea Philippi is where beautiful, clear waters bubble up from snows that have fallen on Mount Hermon up in Syria have melted and gone underground and now bubble up. They become the headwaters of the Jordan River. Uh, Trout this long swim in the beautiful clear water. Some of the biggest fig trees I've ever seen in my life grow there along this water as it begins to move southward down to the lake, pours into the lake called the Sea of Galilee, out the southern end to continue the Jordan all the way down to the Dead Sea. 3,000 years ago, this site was a headquarters for a cult that were heathen, pagan, and worshipped the god Baal. When the Greeks overran the territory, they decided to name this same beautiful area for one of their gods, and it was named Panias, for the Greek god Pan. When the Romans came, overran the territory, eventually would have uh, Herod the Great, their mock king there, Herod decided to curry favor with the Caesar by changing its name to Caesarea Augusta, if you would, for Caesar Augustus. Um, After Herod the Great died, son Philip took over the area, and Augustus was long since dead, so he named it now Caesarea Philippi for himself, Philip. It's a beautiful place. Jesus took his disciples there and asked, Who do people say that I am? I heard a fellow the other day say you were John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Really? I heard somebody say the other day, you're Elijah, the one who's coming just before Messiah. Really? I heard somebody say you're Jeremiah, the reluctant prophet. Really? I heard somebody say you certainly are a great prophet. And then very emphatically, in the Greek the pronoun is emphatic, but who do you say? I am. It's plural. He's not addressing one of the twelve. He's addressing all of the twelve. Who do you say 
that I am. Because you see, the way you answer that question has everything to do with who you are and what you're supposed to be about. Is Mary's child Jesus the long-awaited Messiah of God? If he is, then what does he say about God in all the different situations of our lives? Just recently, I was reading the book review section in the Wall Street Journal. And a book was reviewed, written by Denise Jackson. I didn't know that name. She's married to a very famous, now very wealthy country western singer named Alan Jackson. I think he's the one with the slits in the blue jeans at the knees. All right, that's the one. Always has slits in the knees of the blue jeans. These two grew up, Denise and Alan, in Noonan, Georgia. She was a cheerleader. She was homecoming sweetheart her senior year. They were married in 1979, 28 years ago. Alan wanted to be a singer, country western singer, but nobody was interested in him. Uh, he sang for $25 a night, $50 a night, $75 a night. Denise was a religious person, and she believed that God led her to ask for a job as a flight attendant of a major airline. She got that job and started flying. She had not been flying very long when one of her passengers was very famous at the time, Glenn Campbell. And she said she walked up to Glenn Campbell and felt that for sure he would ask her to please move along or bring him another drink. But he listened to her. And she told Glenn Campbell that her husband had a lot of ability and that he had been turned down by every publishing house in Nashville, Tennessee. And Glenn started opening doors for Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson proved himself to be capable. But guess what? Once he got to be rich and famous, he started fooling around. And Denise found out he was fooling around. And she told him she wouldn't live with that. And they were separated in 1998. She said she started chasing God harder than she'd ever chased God in her life. I needed him, she said, and I chased him hard. And I learned a lot more about me as I came to learn more about him. Alan discovered he had made a big mistake. That in fact, Denise was the person he wanted in his life and the only one as lover in his life, he told her. And they reaffirmed their vows and have been together ever since. She titled her book, It's All About Him. But this reviewer said, don't let the title fool you. Denise hangs this Stetson a lot higher than Alan. It's all about him, not Alan, about God. It's all about God, who God really is, what God was showing us about himself in Jesus of Nazareth has everything to do with who we are. Number two. Simon said, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Which contrasts him, of course, this God, with the pagan gods who had been celebrated at this place before. Baal, Pan, uh, Caesar Augustus, Caesar Philippi. The living God, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Well, you're right. Bless you, Simon, 
flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, you and I take it for granted that we have faith. But faith is a gift, Paul said. Hope is a gift, Paul said. Love is a gift, Paul said. And here Jesus says, If you can see in me, Almighty God, this is not something you've done or something somebody else has helped you to do. This is a gift of God. Our responsibility in the church is to tell God's story and give God's Holy Spirit the opportunity to convince people this story is true. But God's story from Genesis 1 to the 22nd chapter of Revelation is a true story. We teach it. We preach it. We sing it. And we give the Holy Spirit opportunity to convince people that it's true. I read an article recently about Tony Bennett. It was in the AARP magazine. AARP started inviting me to join when I was 50. Uh, they've been wanting me to join their organization since I was 50 years old. And I finally joined. And now I get the magazine. And in this latest magazine, there's a wonderful article about Tony Bennett. Antonio Benedetto. He's now 81 years old. He was born to Italian parents in one of the boroughs of New York. Hard-working people. Tony Bennett began to sing. Ten years younger than Frank Sinatra. He came along about that same time, and there were a number of these Italian singers. Some had more ability than others. Tony Bennett has done wonderfully well. He went through sort of a rough period back there in the 80s, but one of his daughters became his manager. And she said, now, Dad, this is what you've got to do if you're going to appeal to today's audiences. And she encouraged him to keep being who he was and singing the kind of things that he sings. Uh, and, and being in, in the right places, doing the right things for his audience. And so he's making more money and selling more CDs now than he's ever sold in his life. He also is a painter. You may well know that. His paintings are, are good. And lots of people pay big dollars for his paintings. He was being interviewed and asked about his own life. And he said, well, I think as you get to this age, you're far more grateful than you were when you were younger. You realize that a day is filled with blessings. I wake up now and I have a good breakfast. I feel like going for a walk. And I say, this is a wonderful day to take a walk. It's not always been easy for Tony Bennett. He was drafted into World War II. He was with one of our units that liberated one of the death camps in Germany. He saw the gas chambers. He saw the ovens. Uh, he saw the emaciated ones who were still barely alive. Changed his life. Twenty years later, he was marching down the road to Selma, Alabama with Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. If you look at those pictures of people marching with Dr. King, you'll see right up there at the front, right close to him, Tony Bennett was one of those marching with King when people were spewing hatred and venom and people were dying right and left because they espoused this civil rights movement. Now he's 81. And he was asked, why are you still painting? Why are you still singing? And Tony Bennett said, you act as if I wanted 
to paint and sing. I have always felt that I have to paint and sing. What do you have to do? What is it that you and I have to do together? If we affirm that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Number three. Well, I tell you what, I think I'm going to call you Petros, Simon. This word is carried over into our English language. We have petrified. Okay? It means rock. That's what it means, rock. I'm going to call you Rocky. I'm going to call you Rocky. Now, here, Roman Catholic scholars and Protestant scholars differ on the meaning of this little verse. Roman Catholics believe with all their heart, Jesus is talking about Simon. Pure and simple. On this person, the church will be built. This is one of only two times the word ecclesia is used. It literally means the assembly. The coming together of people who believe that Jesus was and is the Messiah of God. The coming together. I'm going to make you the head of that group. Uh, Dr. Daniel Harrington, a Roman Catholic scholar, says Jesus was talking about the person, Simon, the person. And then good Protestants like Edward Schweitzer and F.W. Baer and others say, no, it's, it's, it's the statement that Peter made. He will build the church on this affirmation, on Peter and others who will affirm that Jesus is the Messiah of God. This assembly, this coming together of people of faith, not even Hades shall prevail against it. In your old King James Bible, it says hell, the gates of hell. But people thought hot and fiery and place of punishment, and that's not what Hades means. It's a Greek word. And give preachers and teachers a little flexibility in the new translation. They just go ahead and write the Greek word, and then you can tell people whatever you think is right about that. But the word Hades is not about hot and fire, and it's not about punishment. It's about death. The football coach, who meant the most to me when I was in high school, had an expression. I've heard him scream it any number of times. I want you to come out of there like a bat out of Hades, he would say. I want you to come out of there like a bat out of Hades. Now, I knew what he was wanting. But I didn't really know exactly what Hades was till I was taking Greek in seminary. And the word Hades is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew Sheol. And Sheol is the place where dead people are buried. It's a cave. It's damp and it's dark. It's where bats live. Bats come out of Hades. I want you to come out of there like a bat out of Hades. So this is about death. I tell you that this assembly of people who come together believing that Jesus is the Messiah of the living God know that death, death cannot prevail against them. Death has been defeated once and for all. This is about life. This is about life abundant. This is about life everlasting. Gail and I were in London again, I told you, in May. We saw several homes of famous writers. One of the places I'd like to see sometime is the home of G.K. Chesterton. You remember him? He was born 133 years ago in London. Uh, never got to go to college back in those late 1800s. Uh, went to an art school. 
but he became a writer, a newspaper man, in fact. He lived only 62 years, which was pretty good back there in the 1800s, early 1900s. He lived 62 years, but in 62 years he wrote more than 100 books, more than 4,000 essays, five plays, more than 200 short stories. Today we remember some of his expressions. Let me remind you of a few. A dead thing can go with the stream, but only a living thing can go against it. Fallacies do not cease to be fallacies because they become fashions. The Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies, probably because they are generally the same people. <clears throat> Tradition means giving votes to the most obscure of all classes, our ancestors. It's the democracy of the dead. By experts in poverty, I do not mean sociologists, I mean poor people. But this is the one I wanted to remind you of this morning. Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Number four. Peter? going to give you the keys. Open the door. Loose or bind. Now this one language of loosing and binding is the language of rabbis. Uh, rabbis said that they who had been properly taught could teach others. Could teach the Torah. Those first five scrolls in the Hebrew scriptures. They could teach the Torah. The Torah which loosens opens up one's life, but also binds one to the God who told us how we should behave, how we should treat each other, how we relate to God, and how we relate to each other. This loosing and binding. Some say that Jesus and Matthew here have in mind the role of the high priest. The high priest had the keys to the Holy of Holies, only he entered the Holy of Holies, and only he once a year. It's only three weeks from the beginning, Rosh Hashanah, and then comes Yom Kippur ten days later. Rosh Hashanah, time of reflection, a time of looking at one's life. What good might I have done? What, what harm ought I not to have done? How, by the grace of God, can I do better in a new year? And then finally... At Yom Kippur, will God move from the seat of judgment to the seat of mercy? Simon, you have the key. Can you show them how God moves from the seat of judgment to the seat of mercy? You see, this passage that affirms who Jesus was and is is also about our taking direction from the Almighty and helping others learn to take direction. Last Sunday, there was a baseball game. Uh, the Minnesota Twins won by their pitcher setting a new Minnesota Twins record. In all the years that had a Major League Baseball team playing 162 games a year, no pitcher of theirs had ever struck out 17 in one game. Johan Santana did it last Sunday. He struck out 17. Now, if you're not a big baseball fan, let me just remind you that in a nine-inning game, ideally you would face 27 batters. 
you'd get out 27 batters, that means you're striking out two out of every three. Two out of every three you're putting down on strikes. And on the scoreboard, they put a K when you strike out somebody. K, 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 and they just sprung out there. Santana didn't have a lot to say after the game was over. One of his uh, uh, team members, uh, Kudyar, had driven one 425 feet into the stands in the second inning, and that was the final score, one to nothing. But the catcher had a lot to say. Mike Redman said after the game, Wow, I've never caught a no-hitter in a major league game. Caught two one-hitters, he said. I've caught several two-hitters. But when we were warming up, I thought this could be the day. He had amazing stuff. I'm telling you, I thought it while he was just warming up. I thought today could be the day he had amazing stuff. I am not surprised he struck out 17. And then he said, and you know what? Not once did he shake off one of my signals. I called him. He threw him. We won. 